So Savitri has come of age and one day when King Ashupati, the seer King Ashupati, he is uh, in his inward inwardness meditative state and he suddenly hears a voice and that voice indicates that the time has come for Savitri to go out and find her ideal partner for the work she has come to do. <clears throat> so I'll read this passage, it's a very wonderful passage. The call to the quest. Now it's very interesting because outwardly the context is that the quest that Savitri must undertake and inwardly it is also the quest that we should undertake. So it's called to the quest. So what really is the call and what we should seek, Shurabindo is awakening us to this inner fire. <clears throat> Page 370, Book 4, Canto 3. O force compelled, fate driven, earth born race. If you want to see the description of us humans, deflated of all the, <laughs> you know, uh, bubbles that we build around us, this one line is enough. O force compelled, fate driven, earth born race. O oh, petty adventurers in an infinite world, not just the physical world, they are realms and realms, and prisoners of a dwarf humanity, where we are, you know, stuck into the prison of a little self, smallness, and then we are invited to a great adventure. How long will you tread? These circling tracks of mind around your little self and petty things, but not for a changeless littleness where you meant, not for vain repetition where you built out of the immortal substance you were made. Your actions can be swift, revealing steps. Your life, a changeful mold for growing gods. So the gods are asleep in us and they are powers and aspects of the one divine. And they can grow in us. They should grow in us. They should not remain sleeping forever. So in the ancient Vedic Yoga, this was the process. Uh, man gave to the gods and the gods in turn gave to man and that's how growth of gods means the powers and qualities and aspects of the divine should grow in us so that's what our life should be a seer a strong creator is within the immaculate grandeur broods upon your days Almighty powers are shut in nature's cells. Even there are possibilities in the body which we have not yet turned towards. Almighty powers. And all around us, the immaculate grandeur broods upon our days. It watches over us, but we have no time to turn towards it. That's the tragedy and irony of human life. A greater destiny waits you in your front. This transient earthly being, if he wills, can fit his acts to a transcendent scheme. He who now stares at the world with ignorant eyes, hardly from the inconscience night aroused, that look at images and not a truth can fill those orbs with an immortal's sight. 
So this is what Shurbindu is offering to us. So very often people ask, okay, uh, they go here and there and they want to know what am I going to get. So very often we look for material rewards, material things. That is one part, destiny. So destiny is not about that. Destiny is about unfolding of a greater possibility. Then there are some who will offer mukti or maybe a heaven, post-mortem heaven. But this is a possibility that human being can fit his acts into the transcendent scheme. His acts can chime with God's natural truth and right. So this is the possibility that Shurabindu is offering to us. When Pavitra Da had come to Ashram, and Shurabindu asked him, what are you seeking? He said, liberation. And Shubindu told him, there are uh, some yogis in India who can give you that, but they are not easy to find. But if you want something greater, you can stay here. So he had never imagined that there can be something greater than liberation. So the, this possibility that while being in a human body and eventually with the transmutation of the body, this human consciousness can transmute into a divine consciousness while here upon earth. Yet shall the Godhead grow within your hearts. Then comes the assurance. You shall awake into the spirit's air and feel the breaking walls of mortal mind and hear the message which left life's heart dumb and look through nature with sun gazing lids and blow your conscience at the eternal's gate and once again he is addressing us now you know he starts by defining us as force compelled fate driven earth race petty adventurers in an infinite world prisoner of a dwarf humanity but look how he is slowly taking us to a higher and higher possibility. Authors of earth's high change, to you it is given. Very often people ask that, you know, uh, it's an age of activism and people often ask that, you know, you, when you see things around you, evil and various problems in society, uh, why don't we involve ourselves with that? Why, why should we practice yoga, we should rush into some kind of a, you know, uh, we should become activists. And here is Shubhindu asking us that if you have to become an activist, become a spiritual activist. But this spiritual activism is of a different kind. Authors of earth's high change. It's changing human nature itself because otherwise whatever we may do, we will always be limited by our nature. You change governments, you change systems, you change people, you change rules and regulations. But if human consciousness doesn't change, it will find new ways to perpetuate the old melody. So therefore, Shivindra is offering another alternative. And this alternative is authors of earth's high change. He is addressing us. To you it is given. Man is the mediating link. It is given to us. It is our purpose, our role. In one of our mother's prayers, she says, man is like the X, the meeting point of the quaternary, where beyond him there is, you know, a much greater world and below him is the inconscient from which he has evolved. And he becomes the meeting point. This is a work given to us. This is our destiny. To you it is given to cross the dangerous spaces of the soul. This is very powerful. Very often we think, oh, it is so nice, you know. Um, okay, you sit for meditation, you feel some peace within. Uh, and it's wonderful. People don't realize that entering into the inner fields to reach the soul is full of its own dangers and hazards. And we have this description in Savitri, where uh, Shubhindu speaks about entry into the inner countries, the uh, you know various uh, triple soul forces, where you encounter many things. In Synthesis of Yoga also, Shubhindu explains this, that how um, you believe you are an instrument of divine and you are an instrument. And at some point, the ego can take over. Even this bhava may come that I am an instrument of the divine. 
and from there the degeneration can start and we have such wonderful stories in our own mythologies one of the greatest opponents of the lord was at one time one of the great bhaktas ravana story is like that you know he was a bhakta but what happened he started believing that i am the only bhakta i am the best bhakta and there is nobody else like me so much so that he wanted to appropriate the lord and bring him into his littleness and the result was that he fell and when he fell it was an entire opposite side that came out so that's why he says that it's not easy because the more we get closer to the soul the more humble we have to become so at one place shubhendra says if humility does not grow with um, advancement in yoga then there is a real danger that's why people who seek experiences oh i want to have this experience i had this experience that is not the issue at all because more and more you realize that whatever experiences you may have that is infinite what can ever cover what can ever uh, you know somebody who says that i have found god how can you ever find it's an endless it's an infinity yes you can come in touch with this aspect that aspect you can even have a glimpse of the wonderful you can merge and melt into him still it will always remain much greater than what we can ever imagine so as we grow this humility must come otherwise there is a danger so he is using the word to cross the dangerous spaces of the soul and that is why shubhendra does not want his yoga to become like a mass movement it's not an easy thing to start this journey because this journey is fraught with many things and not all can take it uh, in upanishad we have this um, wonderful some words key that they are like keywords necessary to enter into a state of yoga so one such word is dhira tamatmastham yenu pashyanti dhira you have to be dhira patient steadfast persevering all these things will come in the word dhira if you are adhir if you are impatient if you do not persevere if you try today uh, this much and then give up or go into another direction then you can't find the atman another word where it says nayam atma na balhine this is not for the weak you'll break down the bhakti of shurbindo and the mother is not a bhakti of the emotional vital sentimental nature where you can't bear the pressure of love for the divine love for the divine is something very vast it rises quietly from deep within and gives itself and nobody will know that what has happened inside you that is the power of this bhakti so that's why because it's a dangerous process shubhendra was not keen to call anyone and everyone particularly for youngsters and he would often say that no take time give time in ashram even till now children below 4 years many some i think all of us know about it but some may not be aware that children below 4 years are not allowed inside the ashram so one day i had a very interesting experience as i was coming out of the ashram uh, there was a man very vociferously uh, you know fighting with the watchman what what kind of god children are not allowed so it just fell into my ears so i told him you know it is a grace so of course he didn't understand but i was prompted to say this you know it is a grace because unless one is ready mother had said this because sometimes they are very receptive and open they are like sponge and when so much force comes in it can lead to breakdowns so that's why she was never you know children should grow happily just be around don't try to you know put them into a slot and all the time because then if they they are very receptive if, if prematurely one pulls this power and she would always say do not pull give yourself because it can lead to breakdown can we imagine the power that that has built not only this material universe but many many universes one touch of it can shatter us so dangerous spaces of the soul this journey has its danger unless one is armed with those beautifully she has described five psychological perfections faith devotion surrender self giving humility courage vigilance it is dangerous to undertake so she is shubhendra is using the word dangerous spaces of the soul and then and touch the mighty mother stark awake so 
Divine Mother and Shubindo, they have veiled themselves and come before us. Only four times in year, Shubindo would give the darshan. And during that time, people could go only for a few seconds. And there was a distance of 10 feet between Shubindo and the mother and those who were coming to him. Those few seconds was enough to transform and change their life. Their people have described this, their various experiences, what it meant to be face to face with Shurbindo. And now, later on, when somebody wanted to sit and meditate in Shurbindo's room, so mother says, Oh, you want to be go to Shurbindo's room? Do you think you are qualified to do so? At one point when um, a group wanted or somebody wanted to go to Shabindu's room and ask the mother, she said, what has he done to go and meditate in Shabindu's room? What has he given to the Lord? So the person asked, what, 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 what do you mean by what has he given? He said, something, something of your being, something of yourself, something of your consciousness. And imagine till date, I mean, 50, Shurabindo has physically withdrawn and 73, the mother, outwardly to our limited, you know, external appearances. And till date when you go to that room, despite everything, what a tremendous peace, what a tremendous silence. Is it, I mean, it's a joke. In the ashram atmosphere, one can feel that. So, we cannot imagine what power he manifested. Touch the mighty mother stark awake. So, when he was asked that, why don't you give darshan more often, he said, let the world assimilate it. It was so powerful, this whole thing. And that was the time when he would bring down the maximum power and manifest it that people could contain. Otherwise, they would contain it within themselves and appear like human in their human leela. Because otherwise humanity is not ready. Touch the mighty mother stark away and meet the omnipotent in this house of flesh. This is the great privilege that human beings have that we can meet the divine in this house of flesh and then comes a marvelous line and make of life the million bodied one this is the culmination of yoga that there is none else but one and very often people ask about technique of meditation etc this one idea to meditate upon that there is one Behind all appearances. Even if half an hour we try it, it can have a life-altering profound significance upon us. That all the various things that we are seeing, different things, every day we can decide that half an hour, wherever I am, whether at home or in my workplace, I'll constantly try to reorient myself and live with this idea that all is the divine, that the divine is in all. It's a very powerful meditation and which we can do any time while walking, while sitting, while... Uh, while driving <laughs> of course uh, it has its uh, but but it's wonderful because while driving it's you know probably the easiest thing to do and uh, in the office so one can live with this thought hold this idea within that everything the divine dwells in all so million bodied one make of our life the million bodied one the earth you tread is a border screened from heaven the life you lead conceals the light you are. How beautiful this is. So we had read this yesterday. So I'll just read further and complete this passage. This is a very powerful passage. Immortal powers sweep flaming past your doors. Far off upon your tops the God chant sounds while to exceed yourselves, thoughts, trumpets call. You know, there are moments when we suddenly feel like just abandoning everything and flinging into the divine arms. These are God moments. It's not that we thought about it, we felt like this. Immortal power, they came, touched us for a while. But soon thereafter, we are back to the usual, you know, usual life. Heard by a few, but fewer dare aspire. So, it's well narrated in a story 
about a man who would, you know, get irritated uh, in the family and keep threatening, you know. You know, if you talk to me like this, I'll renounce and take sannyas. And the the way it's expressed is, I'll give away, leave my towel and go. You know, this is an expression in Hindi. Uh, so I'll go away and take sannyas. And he's doing it for days and weeks and months and years. So one day again when he got angry and he said, You know if you do this, I'll throw my towel and go away. So the wife took his towel and said, This is now how it is done. I'll tell you how it is done. She threw the towel and walked away. <laughs> she said, You don't. <laughs> she said, You don't do it this way. You don't keep announcing it. When you have to do it, you do it. <laughs> so hard by a few, fewer dare aspire. So, the God light comes, it lights a fire, but something in human heart does not respond adequately. The nympholeps of the ecstasy and the blaze, an epic of hope and failure, breaks earth's heart. Her force and will exceed her form and fate. So this is the tragedy of human life. If there is a tragedy, the true tragedy is that we do not heed to the inward call. And we do not put all of ourselves in finding the one thing needful, the divine. Everything else we put our energies into except this one thing. And now Shivindu describes so beautifully a goddess in a net of inconscience caught. One line is describing earth. She is a goddess but caught in the grip of transience. Self-bound in the pastures of death and dreams of life. Self-racked with the pains of hell aspires to joy and builds to hope her altars of despair knows that one high step might enfranchise all and suffering looks for greatness in her sons. For millions and millions of years, earth goddess is waiting. And how many those children who are really worthy of that greatness? Just a few. Or on whom she can be proud that yes, these are the children worthy of being my children. And why that happens? Now comes these marvelous lines. But dim in human hearts the ascending fire. Like any fire it has to be fed. It is covered with the smoke and dust of ambition and desires. So every day we must feed the fire. And to feed the fire, there are very simple ways. The simplest way is to offer all that we do and think and feel into this fire. Or to sit quietly and go deep within and call the divine, calling his name. This will feed the fire. To aspire, whatever we may be doing deep inside this aspiration. But alas, dim in human hearts, the ascending fire the invisible grandeur sits unworshipped there. Man sees the highest in a limiting form or looks upon a person, hears a name. So he is not ready to go beyond. He is not ready to breathe infinity. There is a very beautiful prayer of the mother to turn towards the to live for thee is to breathe infinity, to soar into eternity. And then she laments, you know, divine, divine ki vyatha, Bhagwan ki peda kya hoti hai. Kete, how strange is this ignorance that binds us to the very things which will give us suffering and pain and prevents us 
from this freedom that is waiting at our door something is there which will bind us very often we'll see you know people start with okay after this i'll take this step okay i can wait after that is over okay after this maybe i'll uh, more intensely i will turn towards the divine then that also happens uh, no no just a little more little more till finally uh, you know we ultimately turn towards the divine but through the doorway of death it's very unfortunate because the whole life goes one after another so it keeps on entangling us more and more and then comes another wonderful line he turns for little gains to ignorant powers or kindles his altar lights to a demon face so before going to someone whom we believe to be a representative of the divine we want to know what i will get you know people often say shubindu is difficult yes because shubindu is not saying promising the common things if shubindu said that every day morning you get up touch your uh, parents feet and you know um, god will grant you a nice seat in university and make sure that your children study well <laughs> that's inanity that's what people go to the divine for but he says oh divine can transform your whole nature no no that's you know i don't believe in it this i am fine in my cocoon we will see it when it comes to that this is how we live so we turn to a even we light the fire at a demon face so many instances of mother where she has gone even there are temples there are gurus where she has seen actually an asura who is feeding upon the vital of people and growing fat promising all kinds of things but man goes there because he doesn't want the highest this is the tragedy he is too content with the small with the limited he turns for little gains to ignorant powers or kindles his altar lights to a demon face ignorant powers you know i don't know whether it happens here or not but in india there was a sometimes there are waves of new new gods come always you know so there was a craze once of shani devta so every saturday women will go in the evening and light a lamp below some tree i i forgotten three i think people tree on saturday so shani devta ko prasann kar rahe so then there will be another craze for something so we do all this but the deity from whom all these have spring forth there we are unable to turn so ignorant pass and then he loves the ignorance fathering his pain we are satisfied with small gains and we are happy with temporary remedies and brief results very often people ask this that okay transformation we don't know it's a big thing um, you know what do i do if i have a bodily problem it's much easier to take a painkiller and get relief all right nothing wrong with that but we should know it's a temporary remedy it's not the real remedy yesterday um, while driving from greenville to charlotte i had this discussion with someone he said uh, all this is fine but what is the use of having a center and all these things should we not feed the poor and uh, give money to those who are needy so i said yes you can do it and thereby strengthen their prison bars it is the best way to forever keep them in the prison because they will be happy now because somebody is feeding them inside the prison so they will never feel the urge and then i asked him do you think the divine is less wise that he doesn't do this to man that man has to do what divine knows better and he is withholding he is letting people go through sometimes even the struggle because they will wake up you want to take away even that and give them nothing but tamas so very often when people say you know people who are doing this good towards human beings are doing a good thing i feel no it's not a good thing it is in fact a bad thing it's not that ki chalega because you have taken away the urge for struggle it is strengthening the tamas it's encouraging indolence the real good to humanity is that you wake them up to a real possibility see we have this story of uh, you know ratnakar who is a decoy and how uh, when he ties up 
these rishis, Sanat Kumar, and what do they do to him? He is asking them for money and he says, you must be, you are a sadhu and I have heard sadhus carry credit cards and everything. But what do they actually give him? They give him something and they give him the beauty of the divine name. And they tell him, Ratnakar, you don't need all these things. You don't need money, you don't need this, you don't need that. I will give you something, if you are ready for it, which can change your whole life. What is that? Just call the divine by the divine name. Now he is a fortunate man, blessed man that he believes it. But he says, I can't call the divine. Tell me a name. He says, call Ram. It doesn't matter. He says, I can't use the word Ram. I can say Mara. Okay, call Mara. So Mara, 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 Ram, Ram changes. So you know, this, this people don't give. This power to free ourselves from ignorance. And very often, because of that, man begins to love this ignorance which fathers his pain. We don't realize. You see, a generation or two before, I am slightly elaborating on it because very often people have this misguided idea that doctors are doing a lot of Samaj Seva and a lot of people, you know, in the name of charity, in the name of divine movement, open hospitals where there is free treatment and they often ask in ashram, free treatment kaha milta hai? So, we have said free treatment, nahi, free consultation. Milta hai. Chahiye to hum log doctor hai. <laughs> but it's, none of that thing is done because that remedy has been tried and it has failed. What, what is really meant by free treatment? It is not a permanent solution to our real problem. We go back the same person. Now, look 100 years back what was happening. We had no knowledge about cholesterol, no knowledge about many things. But what was the treatment nature was doing? It was evolving human beings through that stress. And when I was reading medicine, when I had first entered, you know what was the treatment given for heart diseases at that point of time? One of the recommended treatment was that take a walk every day, 45 to 50 minutes at the rate of 3 to 4 kilometers per hour. You know, this, this used to be the book teaching. And if you do it for six months, there is a possibility that your blood vessels will form anastomosis and you will not need a cardiac intervention. And it had come out in the latest journal and I remember recommending this to many people. You know, you do this. This is the way to get out. Now, look at this treatment. How beautiful. You are learning to evolve because of the pain. Pain is knocked at your doors. Cardiac pain. What is it telling you? Lifestyle is bad. So, change your lifestyle. But now we have free cardiac surgery started by in the name of spirituality, in the name of, you know, uh, God movement and people go there, get a cardiac surgery, come back the same individual, doctors are thanked and the divine is forgotten. Now this is not what we want. Sometimes it is done also for propaganda because, you know, a lot of institutions get name and fame and there are people who will do charity uh, because, you know, when we indulge in it. But that's not the real remedy. What is the real remedy? To come out of this ignorance. How many times, how many lives are we going to do the same thing? In fact, it is becoming worse and worse. You know, nowadays knee surgery replacement is so common. And our parent generation, it's not that they didn't have knee pain. They had knee pain. They carried on. They knew how to accept and trust the divine and go ahead. So man loves the ignorance fathering his pain. And he doesn't realize that he is of his own choice, getting caught into a trap. So, Shivinder is reminding us through all these lines, a spell is laid upon his glorious strengths. And what is this spell? People will say, no, 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 it's not possible. We can come out of this. It's just that we feel incapacitated. There is a very beautiful writing of Shirobindo in Sanskrit. And uh, Shirobindo didn't name it as Shirobindo Upanishad, but it is there as Shirobindo Upanishad. And at the end of it, Shurabindu says, what is ignorance? He defines it very beautifully. He says, ignorance is to think and believe that I am weak, I am limited, I am helpless. This is ignorance. What is knowledge? To know that I am a child of bliss, I am a child of immortality. Now this very shift in us will awaken in us this possibility. But we deny it. So he says, his spell is laid upon his glorious strengths. He has lost the inner voice that led his thoughts because 
information flooding from all around. So there is no time to tune into this inner voice. And masking the auricular tripod seat, a spacious idol fills the marvel divine. So what has taken its place? The tripod seat, mind, life and body is the tripod and which is the spacious idol? My ego. That has that is sitting on the shrine. And so the immaculate grandeur remains unworshipped. <clears throat> the great illusion wraps him in its veils. This is illusion. Illusion takes many forms. One is that everything is separate. That's how it all starts. And Shubhinda wants us to live in oneness. Illusion is that I am a weak, helpless creature made of mud and clay. So there are many kinds of illusions and it wraps him in its veils. The soul's deep intimations come in vain. In vain is the unending line of seers. The sages ponder in unsubstantial light. The poets lend their voice to outward dreams. A homeless fire inspires the prophet tongues. Heaven's flaming lights descend and back return. The luminous eye approaches and retires. Eternity speaks. None understands its word. So this is the other part. So, <laughs> so when Shubhinda is not understood, it is. this is the reason. There is not even that quest. We are already decided what we are looking for. Eternity speaks. None understands its word. See, every time this has happened to the great light that comes and touches. Yesterday we were speaking of Buddha, Krishna. They have come and touched this earth. Can we imagine that the divine danced in Vrindavan with that delight and actually stood in on the battlefield of Kurukshetra? But what has it turned into? Temples all over, huge temples, big temples, expensive temples, where everything is there, except if you really have this inner thing awakened, except the presence. They're looking for Krishna. There is a very beautiful uh, poem of Shurabindo, Mahatmas. I don't know if somebody read it. Very beautiful poem, Mahatmas. In this poem, Shurabindo describes that there is a person who wants to take to yoga. It's a whole background and he is telling his story. How I became a Mahatma. So he is describing that first I was uh, like anybody, ordinary person with seeking ordinary things, with ordinary aims. Then once I thought that no, there must be something more. And I practiced Hatha Yoga. And then Shubhindu writes, not the Hatha Yoga that men in Kali practice, but the original Hatha Yoga of the Lemurian kings, which... Ravana and Hiranyakashup and Dhruva practiced. They had practiced this original Hatha Yoga. So he developed a lot of powers. You know, Hatha Yoga can give a lot of powers. Anima, Garima, Mahima, Lagima. Uh, that's how Angad, you know, can put his foot and nobody can move him. That Garima. These are powers which come through Hatha Yoga. So he goes to now seek the next step. So his master tells him, All right, you have a lot of powers, but this is not enough. Now go and practice Raj Yoga. So he again says that in three days I perfected the Raj Yoga. Not Raj Yoga as it is practiced today. But the Raj Yoga of old Atlantic kings. Which Bali, the titan had perfected. So alright. So he practices Raj Yoga. And he comes shining face. His hair locks you know all full of energy and tapasya. And he walks and meets... Uh, uh, Krishna Dvayapayan Vyas with all this luminosity, with all this uh, pride that I am a powerful being by yoga. And Vyas is, shakes his locks and says, this is not enough. Now use your power to find Krishna. He's okay, very easy. I have all the powers I can find Krishna. So he, Shubhindu described beautifully that he cast his power and vision far and wide. 
So where all he goes? He goes to Yudhishthira's palace. He must be here. But he doesn't find Krishna. He goes to all the great temples. He doesn't find Krishna. He goes here, there, everywhere. He doesn't find Krishna. He says, where is Krishna? Then suddenly he sees on the slopes of a mountain, there is a madman whom everybody thinks he's mad. And he's jumping with delight and nobody knows the cause of his delight. And there he finds Krishna. So he rushes to him and says, Oh, Krishna, you are here? So this madman kicks at him. And all his powers vanishes. And then he says, My God, I had cultivated all this with such rigorous yoga and they have all vanished. This is not a joke. Actually, it happens in Shurabindra's yoga. If you come with all these ideas and all these powers, they are taken away because they feed your pride. And then they are given back by the mother as a gift of grace. So he says then, laughing he comes and Krishna gives him back his powers and tells him, take back these, oh beggar, <laughs> you want them? I can give you these like this. And he says, then I realize, you know, he's taught the lesson of humility and surrender. And then he rises and becomes Mahatma. He has to guard this world till Sri Krishna returns and blasts atheism out of this world. This is how the poem ends very powerfully. That you know, he will come back and finish. So this is the problem with even those who are sages and seers, they ponder in unsubstantial light. They climb to some height and stop there. They, it's, they mistake their stage for the ultimate truth. Fate is unwilling and the abyss denies. It's not only man, even the cosmic powers conspire. They will not allow this to happen. So fate is unwilling. They will create all kind of hurdles on the path. And the abyss, the inconscient will deny. It will constantly throw thoughts of doubt and everything. The inconscient's mindless waters block all done. Nice things will grow inside and a time will come when all this muddy and slushy water will be thrown up. And one has to navigate through all this. This is the path. That's why it's a dangerous species of the soul. It's a battle. Even when Krishna is by the side of Arjuna, he has to go through Kurushetra. There is no shortcut. Only a little lifted his mind screen. And these last five lines. The wise who know see but one half of truth. Now he is saying why he has said sages ponder in insubstantial light. One half of truth. They don't see the other side, the complementary side. The divine dwells in all, the possibility of transformation. <clears throat> Normally, when we speak of truth, we say, this is world, this is darkness, this is ignorance. And above, above and beyond, there is the realm of light, of truth, of beauty, and you leave this and go there. This is what normally the sages and seers have been doing. But here Shubhindu is telling us that here it is greatness to create. Not to go back to that place. So why is to see? See but one half of truth. They see the divine there alright, but they don't see the divine here upon earth. The strong climb hardly to a low peaked height. It is a very beautiful play of the mother. The ascent to truth. It's worth reading. Actually, sometime we should all read it together. The ascent to truth. So there in that poem, in that play, a poet, a philosopher, a scientist, a philanthropist, ascetic, and some youngsters, they are starting their ascent to truth and they are all enthusiastic. Ah, very good. You know, we will, we will find truth. So the philanthropist is the first person to drop out. It's very interesting. Because as he goes to the first peak, he says, I can't see human beings. So he says, Ki, if I go further, I'll have to sacrifice my earth for philanthropy. You see, when a Japanese came to mother and mother filled him with the silence of the infinite, he said, oh my God, what have you done? What have you done? Why? I can't feel so much patriot for my country as I used to feel. I don't want this. So we want to see the highest in a limiting form. So philanthropist drops out. He said, no, no, no. 
forget about truth. I have to help mankind. One of the greatest illusions, mother has described as the illusion born of the egoist, urge to help mankind without really knowing what they need and without the real power to uplift. So he falls out. Then the artist climbs to a point and says, this is beautiful. I can, you know, this is a wonderful image. But further up, I don't see it. It looks more barren. So he falls out. Then the philosopher, he says, oh my God, everything is becoming unsubstantial. It's like clouds. I'm losing. I'm getting disoriented. So he falls out. Then an ascetic sees that there is a nice plateau and there is loneliness. And he says, ah, this is ideal place for me to contemplate. And he falls out. The ascetic. Who goes further? Some sadhaks and sadhikas. They say, no, no, no. We must, no. Beyond that go lovers. There are two lovers who hold each other and they are just enjoying the journey. They are <laughs> the ascent to truth for them is, okay, it's happened. But look at what place Shurabindu gives. And in their mutual love, they are climbing. And then they say, ah, this is a nice place. We can live here forever and they fall out. And then there are some sadhaks and sadhikas who say, we want to go further, but we cannot see anything. Nothing is visible. It looks all as if, whether it's sky, whether it's cloud, one one step further, we don't know whether we will land on something or we will fall down. So, the sadhika tells the sadhak, you know, we have to move by faith. This is a very beautiful line of Sri in one of his poems. A step and all is sky and God. So they move and ultimately they find the truth. So this ascent to truth. So we often reach some peak and we are very happy. Because it gives a satisfaction to the ego. And so we stop here. So Shurabindu says, this is what is happening. The strong climb hardly to a low peaked height. The hearts that yearn are given one hour to love. No. Bhakti is born and then one is caught up with all kinds of things in life and long time later says, ha, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, Pondicherry is nice. I remember I went to the Samadhi. I felt very nice. Ah, yes, yes, very nice. One hour to love. It's, it's the tragedy of human life. It's not about Pondicherry. You don't have to go to Pondicherry. But you know that urge which comes sometimes that ah, divine and I want to give myself to the divine. How brief it lasts because this earthly vase cannot support this fire. His tale half told falters the secret bard. Human life is a story. Every life is a story that the divine is writing. And every story wants to be beautiful story. But we don't like it. We want some issues, some problems, some conflict. How can we go to the divine unless we don't fight in all with all kinds of people around? Sometime back somebody asked this question. You know, if we are moving on the path of the divine, how to know when to fight, whom to fight? So I asked, but why do you want to fight? You don't have to fight. No, no, no. Sometimes the boss is not good. Sometimes somebody in the house is not good. Somebody or the other will not be good. So we want to fight. And we confuse this mental idealism with spirituality. And it can be very misleading. Look, you know, when Subhash Chandra Bose was going to shake hands with Hitler, what did Shurabindu said? He said, you know, this mental idealism, sentimental idealism, this blinds us. He says he doesn't know whom is he shaking his hands with. If perchance Hitler was to actually come, how dangerous it would have been for India. And I personally feel that, uh, you know, Subhas' death, it was also a mysterious and occult death. Because it was dangerous. The way he was growing and winning and, you know, joining hands with Hitler. If it succeeded, what would have happened? Of course, he had Desh Bhakti and nobody can doubt it that he was a patriot. And one cannot doubt the laudable efforts of a man who wanted to take on the British Empire. 
and yet that mental idealism is not sufficient. And look, that's why Shubhendra says, his tale, half told, falters the secret part. There was a time when he have, he was very inspired by Shubhendra. He writes that he says that there are three persons who have inspired me, and one of them is Shubhendra. But in his actual actions, a time came when moved by an inner impulsion, he was actually being misled into a direction which he thought is the right one and how dangerous it would have been. And now this master stroke, the gods are still too few in mortal forms. So if this is the case, then what is the answer? What is the solution? This is the situation of man. Shubhendra describes it. The voice tells him. What is the answer? So what should be done? And here is a beautiful few lines that come after that. The voice withdrew into its hidden skies. But like a shining answer from the gods. Approached through sun bright spaces. Savitri. That's why Shubhendra wanted the mother to be established in our midst. And in our hearts. And all that he wanted us is to open and wants us is to open to the mother. He says, if you can do that, the rest is done for you. And he was asked that what difference mother's coming made to this yoga. Uh, several things he has said. One of them being that before the mother's coming, I could help myself but could not help others. But with the coming of the mother... It became possible. He knew it's not possible for human beings to go beyond a certain level. There are so many things. His own ignorance, his love of his ignorance, the powers that deny, the fate, the abyss, the cosmic powers, man's limiting fire, all this, it's not possible. So who can do it for man? The mother can do it. So now what we have to do for yoga? Open ourselves to her and that is the path. So he made it very easy at one level. So very often those who say Shobindo's yoga is difficult. Well, Shobindo's writings, some of them, not letters on yoga, they are very easy. Some of the writings are difficult, but we should not believe that yoga is difficult. The aim is difficult, but the path is very easy. And these are Shobindo's words in the synthesis of yoga. If you look at it same, something which is unprecedented, never been done before, you will say it is very difficult. But if you look at the method, it's very simple. All that we have to do is to give ourselves to mother. And as Shobindu said, what does mother says? What, what do we have to then do that? This is like a cat just gives itself into the mother cat's hands. And what does it say? Ma, 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 ma. People find it very difficult to believe. Often people go to ashram and they want to know what technique, what method. In ashram you will hardly find anybody catching you and converting you or you know, trying to teach you something unless you ask. And if you ask them, okay, what is the method of meditation followed here? Many of them will reply, read Shirobindo. You say, oh, this is very difficult. Or some people will say, just call mother. So people don't believe it. How can it be like this? Call mother. There must be something else. There must be even a method to calling mother. At least you teach us how to sit, what time to call her, morning, half an hour. This is a common thing. But call mother. Can the yoga be as simple as that? Well, as we grow, we discover it is as simple as that. So I think um, it's six. I don't know. We have... We are just carrying on, just <laughs> blabbering with our <laughs> joy of Savitri. It's, it all can continue if uh, there is any anything anybody suggests. Any questions on this which we have read, this passage? We can take that up. Because Shubhendra has given some very radical ideas in this. Well, we have a conception of spirituality. One of the commonest one is of helping humanity. And clearly he says, well, <laughs> puts it in its place. If one wants to do it, one can do it, but should not confuse it with spirituality. 
and very often as i said it's counter evolutionary it takes away the urge to grow that's why the divine has created this world in this way that you are always kept on your tender hooks one way or the other is ultimately to feed the inner fire so that at some point we want to look towards the real door through which we can come out of this law of ignorance that grips us And this also an answer when people often compare that you know the many yogis gurus Sri Bindu is one of the yogi and guru and I am not saying this out of any evangelistic thought or you know sectarian belief. Well, the fact is Sri Bindu is not like any other yogi and guru because he, what he has given to earth is not the same which we are reading and hearing from everywhere. What he brings is something very different radically. he is not happy with halfway ascent that's why he said for nothing short of perfect perfection he says it's not enough that we have inner experiences my yoga is not complete unless the lower vital physical and the outer nature changes he says it's not complete also so, when we go to different temple different you know different faith you know by society when we live in the society we have to go some as a mother child or as a sri bindu's thought impressed by what our attitude should be toward that place to start with to start with we should become truly individuals in the true sense of the world which means we don't go to a place because society expects or wants us to go that should be out if i go to a place is because i choose to go there whatever be the reason if we are compelled by society then when we turn to yoga we will be compelled by cosmic forces of ignorance and we'll just become like a football so to do something not because society tells me to do it but because i think it is the true thing it is the right thing it is the noble thing it is the beautiful thing or it is the thing which my inner being needs then we should do it now i am not saying that there is another meaning to this that don't uh, act according to society means become a social uh, renegade and you know degenerated man no make the choice if i want to go to a particular temple it's my choice it's not because my mother in law asked me to do if i want to go somewhere it's because i make a conscious choice so make a conscious then doesn't matter here there it's a seeking which is carrying you then you then the question of attitude doesn't arise because it's a seeking which has carried why would i go let's say to a temple or a mosque or any place because something within me is impelling me what is that something my seeking if i make a choice if it is not my choice and i am compelled to be there then it's a different story altogether then the next is attitude so attitude should be that you know keep the highest aspiration i am giving a very general term not you know mother child is a very big word but keep the aspiration within always mountain let's say that you know if i am in before hanuman yeah i go to a temple and hanuman is there so what should i do now i worship mother i love mother i can't suddenly shift my allegiance and say hanuman ji aap bhi thoda mera dekh lena you know <laughs> hanuman ji will give me a kick he'll say fool you don't even know how to have bhakti so i would rather pray to him that give me the courage the strength and the bhakti that you had for lord rama give me that for the divine mother then he'll be happy see when krishna prem of course we have stories in our mythology also when tulsi das we know that you know when came you know, krishna is very high so he said kaha kahun chhabi aapki bhale birajunath tulsi mastak tab nave dhanush vandohat so that was fidelity to the master and he told mirabai when she said what should i do i am caught between dharmas society wants me to do this but my inner being tells me not to do it what did he say he said jaake priyana ram vaidehi so chhadiye taji koti bari sam jadbi param se nahi and he gives example bali guru tajo bibishan bandhu bharat mehtari even mothers people have left 
carried by this urge, quest that what is true, what is right, what is noble, what is beautiful. That is how the psychic being expresses itself in life. Satyam Shivam Sundram, the search for what is true. That is far more important than going to a temple. To follow a life of truth, of beauty, of nobility, in feelings, in thought, in love, in actions and to practice that. So when we go to a temple, if such be my faith, if I go to a Durga, I would say thou art an aspect of the Divine Mother. May I have the strength to follow this path of yoga. What does Shurabindo say when he invokes Durga? He says, Mother Durga, enter into our bodies with the yogic strength. Let there be no enemy within or without. So when we go to Durga, what should we pray her for? Mother, uproot my inner enemies. And they are countless, like Raktabij. <laughs> this is how we should approach the deities. Because they are powers and aspects of the divine and they like it. When in a temple we don't do this, then very often the deities run away. And what occupies it is an asuric being. Because what are we going? Imagine going to Hanuman, throwing one rupee and then asking for ten. Earlier it used to be like this, ten paisa, one rupee. I don't know whether you have seen this in temples or not. Hanuman ji ko ek pura chota usme band karke, mani phek karke, pray karte Hanuman ji dekbal karna mera bacha loka. I mean, is he a slave or something? What a wonderful being. Look at his love for Rama. Now if we keep doing it, now we may do it with 10 dollars, that's the difference. What will he do ultimately? He say, this place is not worthy of me. But there will be the murti alright. And many temples have become, mind you, and mother has spoken about it, they have become uh, seeds of the asuras. Because man goes there seeking for, you know, fulfillment of his asuric propensities. So, so gods don't dwell in such places. At one time, when uh, there was a lady in the ashram, she came, Jaya Devi, so 1928, she wanted to do Durga Puja. So, in Durga Puja, they, you know, the Bengali ladies, they put Alta to Durga and, you know, this is the whole custom. So, she asked, can I do it with mother? Alright, so she did it and Sri also said, so she, she prayed to them in the traditional way, putting garland and everything. Next year again she asked, then mother said, do you think any divine being ever likes this? <laughs> so we do many things to satisfy ourselves. Do we imagine Hanumanji will like it if we go to him and say, Hanumanji, mera uska bachcha ka thoda dekh lena, usko... Alright, once or twice he will do it, but after some time he say, I can give you bhakti for the Lord and you are asking for this. It's better you go to, you know... So, in a temple, that's why it's, most temples are not Jagrat temples. You see, in ancient times, and even now the tradition is like that, though it is hardly followed, uh, it's not enough to have a deity. There is something called as Pranapratishta. By the way, temple custom has come from the Tantra. In ancient Vedantic times, you do not really see a temple. So, it, a pujari has to, pujari is not just, you know, catch hold of a pujari who has read the books and is a Sharma or Pandey by surname. That doesn't make a pujari. <laughs> so, somebody who can invoke the presence of the deity used to do Pran Pratishtha. Then he would every day, it is his task to make sure that the deity is very difficult to hold the deity in clay here. That's why after five days you take Durga and put her back. You can't hold it. That purity which is required in thought and consciousness. Otherwise you will be the first asura to be hit by Durga. So five days they do it properly. Even that unfortunately not properly because Durga is in the Pandal and outside is Mahisasur shops. <laughs> All the sweetmeats and dance and banjo and modern Bollywood songs. We know what happens. So, that's why these temples are no more really places of God. We have to understand it. And we have to discover Him in our... And I am saying something purely based on a very common sense logic as well as the inner experience. There are very few temples which are Jagrat temples. And when we go there, what do we ask? That which the deity represents. 
What for? So that we can use it for our own growth and that makes the gods happy. If I go to Shiva temple, what should I pray him for? Grant me freedom from ignorance. This grip of earth nature which ties me. This is exactly what mother told Shiva. Shiva said, I will participate in new creation. Tell me what I should do. Mother said, freedom from the physical ego. So Shiva started doing Tandava and the physical ego started finishing. And she goes to Shurabindu and said, you know, it's very funny. All my physical cells are as if dilating and dissolving. And she was enjoying in that delight. And Shurabindu looked at her and understood everything. And he said, not now. Look at the word of Shurabindu. Shiva has promised a boon. And Shurabindu says, not now. And everything comes back together. And mother said, but Shiva had granted me the boon. Now, after a long time, decades later, mother said she had this experience of the dilatation of the cells and the dissolution of the physical ego. Shubhinda had the power to stall a boon and delay it, which has been granted by Shiva. Can you imagine what power had come on earth? And much later, decades later, she experiences it. Says, now the time came. That's when she says that this boon was granted to me, my Shiva. So, any deity... If it is genuine in a place and worth the, they all decide within our heart. We should ask them for what they really are meant to do. So we can stop here and maybe. Let's take it back a little bit. People are coming, sir. So we'll. This is so this is one place where you uh, can say Shrivindo was at a much higher level than Brahma Vishnu Maharaj. Because he could stop the. Yes, even even. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Definitely. And and when we read through the stories of Mother and Shirobindo, we see them. And sometimes I feel it's good just to share these stories, which people don't know. What a power! You know about since you are mentioning this, after which we can stop this. Since you talked about this, you know, much higher level. Imagine when uh, Mother says that somebody had died and she saw Shirobindo's symbol on the forehead and she said Shobindo has said henceforth anybody who dies here will not go to death but come straight to me and then Shobindo mother says that uh, you know it was regardless of the psychological condition of the person because mother asked this person you know <laughs> the lady who all her life had hardly done anything from inner point of view, but yes, she used to love to make some food and give to Shirobindo. But anger prone, everything. So mother said, this person? And Shirobindo says, yes, regardless of their psychological condition. And Champaklaji, when he narrates this incident, this incident is narrated in the agenda, but there, there is no such footnote after this. Mother only ends up by saying, regardless of their inner condition. Champaklaji adds that, you know, we had heard of Shiva, Creating a Kashi, this is the modern Kashi. He speaks of that. So I think we'll stop here.